We're going to do something a little different. We have a children's message this morning, so if there are children here, I know there's a bunch of... Okay, now before I start, though, we need, we need to, to divide you guys up into two groups. I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to do that. So, hmm, uh, maybe we can divide those that aren't Cardinal fans to those who are Cardinals fans. Who are Cardinals fans here? Uh, well, that won't work. That, that won't be even. So, um, hmm, what's another way to do that? So, how many people uh, go to a Kirkwood school? Okay, some of you go to a Kirkwood school, so I mean, that's about even. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. All the Kirkwood school people go over here, go move over there, and those that aren't, go over here. This is encouraging. They, fo- they follow directions so well. Okay, so we got about an even group here or thereabouts. Okay, so I'm going to do something here, and I want to get your reactions to what what I'm going to do, okay? I have these lollipops, right? Who likes lollipops? Just about everybody. Okay. Well, I'm going to give these lollipops to them. There you go. There we go. You got a lollipop, and you get a lollipop, and you get a lollipop. I feel like Oprah. You get a lollipop, and you get a lollipop. All right, so guys... So how do you feel about getting lollipops? You feel good. How do you feel about them getting lollipops? Oh, they're not not so happy about that. All right, all right. So now I'm going to do something. I'm going to do another thing. And you're going to see. I'm going to get your reactions to this. Okay, see these lollipops? I'm going to give them another one. Uh, And you get a lollipop, and you get a lollipop. You get a lollipop, and you get a lollipop. There you go. All right. Now, how do you feel about it? Oh man, you feel you feel you feel you are you being excluded? You want to steal the bag? Well, hold on, hold on a second. You gotta hold on. Okay. You have been left out. You have been excluded, and you have been doubly blessed. Okay. Now, here's the secret. The reason I gave them two lollipops is so that they would give you their extra lollipop. Yes. So give them, give them the lollipop. Make sure everyone gets one. I'll make sure everyone, I'm, I'm not sure if it was even. Give, there we go. One apiece, okay. Does everyone get one? Did everybody get one? Did you all get one? Uh-huh. See, you're I, trying to. Pull a fast one on me there. This is, this is the lesson. Paul was talking to people who were not Jews. They were Gentiles. Jews were given a special relationship with God. And they thought, well, they, we're, we're special people. But it became clear that the reason God had blessed them is so that they could be a blessing to all people. Okay? God gave the Jews an overabundance of blessing that they might share it with those who weren't Jews. Because God wants to include all people. Okay? Do you understand? Be thinking about that this week. When you see someone at school or uh, at the playground who's not being included, know that God is someone who includes everybody. And what might you do to help include those who feel on the outside? All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for gathering us here. And thanks for these that are before me. And I ask you to be working in their hearts and show them your goodness 
and the abundance of blessing you've given them, and then the privilege they have of sharing that blessing with other people, even if it's just the blessing of friendship and inclusion. Bless them, Lord, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn our attention to the Word now. We're in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at the first six verses, and the series that we're in is called In Christ. And so the question is, we've been talking about it for several weeks, but it's always good to revisit it. Uh, what does that mean exactly, to be in Christ? That's, a, that's an odd phrase. Are, are you in anything else? You want to say, well, I'm in a club, uh, but I don't say that I'm in another person. Uh, you know, I'm not in George. That's, that seems like an odd way to talk about things. What, what do we mean by being in Christ? Well, it has two sides, one in an objective sense, but then there's these implications for that reality of being in Christ. Um, uh, being in Christ has to do with our connection to Jesus. It's, it's metaphorical in one sense, but, but uh, spirit, really spiritual. So there's a spiritual reality, and then it has implications. It changes us, or at least it should. Um, we're connected to Jesus we're saved from judgment. It brings us into relationship with God. And then it begins to change us in our nature from people who are self-oriented to people who are other-oriented. At least it should. And that begins to mean that if I'm now other-oriented in my nature, I need to see that in my behavior. Because if I'm not seeing it in my behavior, it makes me think I'm not really changed inside. If we're not loving, if we don't do loving acts, we're not loving people. Um, the gospel, being in Christ, transforms us from corrupt and selfish to righteous and loving. And, and, and it, that evidences itself in our behavior. And the connection between the objective reality of being in Christ and the implication of, a cha of changed living is the subject of the sermon this morning, specifically how we think of people who are different from us, how we think of people we might label as outsiders, so the question for us all this morning, it's really the question before any sermon, whenever we hear the word preached, are we ready to hear what God has to say to us? Are we ready for God to make us feel uncomfortable? To say, there needs to be some change. There's grace, but the grace transforms. Are we ready to hear it? Ephesians chapter, one, uh, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. For this reason... And now Paul is referring back to uh, chapter 2 where he's talking about how Christ has torn down the dividing wall of hostility between ethnic groups. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it is now has been as it now has been revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets by the spirit the mystery this mystery is that the gentiles the outsiders are fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel would you pray with me Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you that you, by your Spirit, have been with us as we have sung your praise, as we have prayed now. Lord, be with us as we submit ourselves to your word, specifically as we, as we think about what it means that you have included those that were previously outside. You have brought them inside and made them fellow heirs 
Father, work in us. Show us the message you have for us this morning and make us more like Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I read something, uh, an article recently. I don't know. This is sort of a surprising thing for me. Did you know that robots are becoming racists? It's true. It's true. At least they're, they're in danger of becoming racists. I was reading an article by Sean Keach. Uh, scientists find robots become racist and sexist on their own. This is, he's, he's writing about an experiment that was, that was conducted by people on two sides of the Atlantic Ocean. And this is, what, this is what he wrote about that experiment. Artificial intelligence experts performed thousands of simulations on robot brains, revealing how they split off into groups and treat outsiders differently. The study published in Scientific Reports showed that virtual simulated robots would shun others, forming their own groups, the experiment involved a give-and-take system where robots could choose which of their peers to donate to. As the virtual game unfolded, individual robots learned new donation strategies by copying other robots to benefit themselves. The study found that robots would donate to each other within small groups, denying outsiders to improve their own takings. Quote, our simulations show that, the prejudice, that prejudice is a powerful force of nature. And through evolution, it can easily become incentivized in virtual populations to the detriment of wider connectivity with others. And the study explained how learning these prejudicial behaviors didn't take a lot of mental power. Instead, it was simply a matter of copying others based on their give-and-take game success, which inevitably led to prejudice. Cardiff University noted that robots risked exhibiting prejudice like racism and sexism. Even robots are racist. Now, here's, the th here's what I find scary uh, about this experiment. The scientists who programmed these robots, uh, they're very educated people. I'm sure they thought of themselves as very enlightened and people not given to bias. And yet, as they programmed the robots, they embedded in the programming certain values unconscious to themselves that resulted in, <clears throat> in bare prejudice towards outsiders. The shunning of outsiders, it comes so easily to us. That self-centeredness can be destructive, destructive in the robot world, destructive in our world. It can lead to cruelty, brutality, maybe even to death. Not just in our world, but robots too. It's into that self-centeredness that God speaks an unexpected word, a word of grace, a word of inclusion, of mercy that can lead to selflessness. The question is, will we receive God's unexpected word of blessing that we might become something, maybe even more accurately, become someone unexpected in this world. Become a person who becomes a blessing to others, even to the outsider. Are you willing to hear that? Now, to understand the unexpected nature of uh, Paul's message to the Ephesians and to the, and to the Jews of his day, we have to understand the cultural setting of the letter of the Ephesians. Now, Paul is a Jew, and the Jewish people by the Roman world were considered a, a peculiar people, maybe even really obstinate 
Uh, in fact, they, they were so obstinate, the Romans said, look, everybody in the Roman Empire needs to burn incense to Caesar, but, but not the Jews. They're just too difficult on this issue, so we'll exempt them on it. Uh, they, the Roman world viewed uh, the Jewish nation as prudish in their sexual mores, uh, narrow in their religious beliefs. And then the Jews themselves, at least the first century Jews, considered themselves special because they were chosen to be God's people. They had a special place of privilege uh, over against other uh, nations. Uh, to the Jews, the Romans, or for that matter, Arabs or Egyptians or Persians, uh, all of those people, they were outsiders. And they didn't mix well together, the Jews and the Gentiles. And into that setting, Jesus comes. He comes into the world, the Jewish Savior. He lives a perfect life. He credits it to his people because uh, they're, they're required to live perfectly, but they haven't. So he credits them his perfect life. He takes on their sin and pays the price of their sins for their salvation. And it's like, like it said in, in the Gospels, God, uh, uh, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of Israel. Now, those of you who know the Bible, is that what it says? What does it say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The world. And there's an implication there. Maybe, maybe for the first century Jewish Christian, not an entirely welcome one. Paul, in his ministry to the Gentiles, to those who may have felt outside, he makes the, expl uh, the implication explicit in verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The Jewish Savior comes and he saves just the Jews. He saves the world. He saves all people. Include the outsider. That's what Jesus said. That's an unexpected twist to God's good news. Now, me, I like, I like twists. I like unexpected things in stories and in movies. Who here likes twists in stories and movies and books? You like them? Yeah. I, I, I love it. And, and, you know, it's one of the reasons that I was a big fan before he kind of went off the rails of M. Night uh, Shyamalan. Okay? He's getting back on track, for those of you who follow movies. He's getting back on track. Um, the Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs, they all had these crazy twists in, in, in them. And I'm going to spoil some of those twists. If you haven't seen the movie now, some of these movies are 20 years old. Shame on you. <laughs> I don't care. The main character in The Sixth Sense, the guy that you're identifying with the whole time, he's actually dead the whole movie. The only one who understands the hero in the movie Unbreakable is actually the supervillain. I love those twists and turns. Uh, they're surprising. They're fun. But not all twists and turns are fun. I like them in stories. When they make my life uncomfortable, I'm not such a big fan of them. I don't like feeling uncomfortable. And here's the thing about the gospel. The gospel brings many twists and turns for us as followers. And some are fun. And some are not as welcome. The welcoming of the Gentiles into the privileged status of relationship with God was unwelcome, at least at first, to the Jewish Christians. But it was fun for us Gentiles 
because we were on the outside. Uh, those who are excluded now become included. The children that didn't get lollipops, now they got lollipops. And they were excited about it. Have you ever felt excluded? Any of you? No one's responding. And I, that, 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 in a sense, that makes you kind of all kind of liars, because I know <laughs> you felt excluded from the group at work. Maybe you're the black sheep in the family. At least you feel that way. You feel on the outside. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus changes all that. You know, if you didn't realize it bef- that you were an outsider before, I got news. You were. Now, I'm going to ask a question, and uh, you don't, don't raise your hands. Uh, I'm not asking people to sort of self-identify and, and, and get worried about whether or not people are going to be prejudicial to them. Even in our group, sometimes we get worried that people will think negatively of us. But is anybody in this room, again, just in your mind, is anybody in this room of Jewish descent? I know that some people in this room are. You didn't need to raise your hand, but thank you. for. And we're really privileged to have you in our presence. We really are. Um, All the rest of y'all, you're outsiders. God chose the Jews to be his special people. And we, the rest of us, are outsiders. I, I, I'm, I'm of Hungarian descent, Southeast European. If we, if we talk about the sons of, of Noah, I'm a Japhethite. You know, I'm from that line. And some Jewish Christian, somewhere along the line, decided everybody needs to be included. And they shared the message. And it cascaded its way down to Hungary. And my family came to faith. It was God's plan all along to bless the world through the Jewish people. And we, 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 we don't always get it explicitly explained in the Old Testament, but what we have these hints of it. God speaking to Abraham, the father of all Jews, says this, Genesis chapter 22. I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And your offspring shall, and in your offspring shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Now, it wasn't clear in every generation that that, that was God's plan. Uh, but, and Paul talks about that in verse 4. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it now has been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Again, there were hints of it. Genesis chapter 22. But also in Isaiah 42, this is what the Lord says. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. He's talking to the nation of Israel. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light to the nations. God said, my special people, you will be a light to the nations, a blessing to them, an unexpected blessing. Sometimes we think of ourselves over against everything that's out there, but that's not what what God is trying to do through his people. He's trying to make them holy that they might be a blessing to everyone, to the whole world. But 2,000 years later, we've grown accustomed to this uh, surprise. We know the twist ending. And maybe um, because we've become accustomed to it, we've become a little bit entitled. Do you feel entitled? Most people would say, no, I don't feel entitled. I'm perfectly balanced in understanding what is rightfully mine and what is not. So, you know, no, I'm not entitled. 
What does that look like? What what does being entitled look like? Well, saying, of course. Well, of course God's blessings are for me. No, God wants to be good, and I'm as good a recipient as any. Uh, Yes, I should be able to hear God's word in a beautiful building, and I should expect ministry staff to, to, you know, minister to me well. And uh, as it comes to other people who who are different from me, no, I I don't think we should be accommodating to all people who are culturally different than I am. There's lots of churches out there. Let them find a church that's good for them. That's entitled. God wants us to share the blessing and to do whatever we have to to do it well. And the end, entitlement, robs us of the blessing to which we feel entitled. Entitlement robs us of joy. Well, how do we get joy? When we get something that we don't deserve. When we've been excluded and then we get the lollipop. Then there's excitement. But if we think, I deserve the lollipop, that gummit, there's no joy in that. Entitlement robs us of peace. It robs us of relationship. And it cuts us off from God. Because at its heart, it's arrogance, which is the original sin. Because Adam and Eve thought they deserved more than what they got. And it cut them off from God. The truth of this unexpected, undeserved blessing should lead us first to repentance before God. I don't belong in your presence, and yet you call me anyway. Praise be to Jesus. But it also should lead to humility before others. And humility in this case means inclusion. I have no right to exclude you because I myself shouldn't be included. And the unexpected blessing leads to an unexpected privilege. The sharing of the message of inclusion with outsiders. People who we would normally say don't belong. Let me read it again, verse 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. God has included outsiders like me. But what about them? However you define them. What does God say about them? Are they included? And the answer is, say it like you mean it. Yes. Yes. How does Paul know this? God told him. It was revealed to him. Verse 2, assuming you have heard of the stewardship of the grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. It gets back to that original experiment with the artificial intelligence. And they said prejudice is natural. Um, and for us, when we say it's natural, our meaning would be, well, yes, we're, we're naturally fallen. We're naturally centered on self. We're naturally thinking of, well, if I can form alliances with other people to benefit me over against other people, I will, I will do that. I will become prejudiced because it benefits me. We need an intervention from God. We need a word from God to speak into the natural way of things. And that's what a revelation is. God speaking to us, challenging our natural selves. God intervening that we might become more than our natural self. A lot of people say, well, I just got to be me. But what if, the, what if my me is I'm naturally a jerk? I need to be more than me. I need to be my true self, the, the self God always intended from the beginning, the person who looks 
like Jesus. Loving, other-centered, welcoming. We need to be restored to that true self. And it's revealed that the one who has blessing also has the privilege of sharing that blessing with those who have not like those children with the lollipops, had the privilege, whether they viewed it that way or not, of sharing their lollipops with others who did not have. Even if it means suffering, verse 1, for this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, he's a prisoner. He, he heard the gospel. He goes beyond the bounds of Israel to the Gentiles that they might share in the blessing, and now he's in jail because of it. Now, I've been struck this past week by my own lack of willingness to suffer in in the exercise of that privilege or even to feel uncomfortable in the exercise of this great privilege of sharing God's love with outsiders. Why? Well, uh, because of the missionary, Pastor Andrew Brunson. Have you heard about Andrew Brunson in the news? Yes, you have? Well, as you may know, Andrew uh, has been a missionary to Turkey. He's seeking the blessing of the Turkish people, which is no easy task in a Muslim country. And he was arrested in the aftermath of the coup attempt two years ago, and he was accused of terrorism. Andrew is not a terrorist. But there he was, stuck in prison, not knowing when or if he would get out. Now, our entitled selves might say, how can God do that? Here's this man who sacrificed a comfortable life in America and took his family to this very strange environment and culture, hostile. He sacrificed so much. How could God make him suffer that way? God can't do that. That wasn't Andrew's perspective. At his trial last month, Andrew Brunson was reported as saying when he was uh, stood accused uh, of the charges... He said, the disciples of Jesus suffered in his name, and now it is my turn. I am an innocent man on all these charges. Now, most people wouldn't catch the nuance. I am innocent of these charges. He's not saying he's an innocent man before God. But of these charges, I am innocent. I reject them. I know why I am here. I am here to suffer in Jesus' name. Andrew didn't view his suffering as at odds with his sacrifice to go and serve the Turkish people. In fact, he saw his suffering as a means of advancing his witness, just as the disciples' suffering advanced their witness, just as Paul's suffering advanced his witness. A recent article detailing uh, Andrew's release this week talked about those who spoke in defense of Andrew. This is in the New York Times. The few witnesses for the defense who were allowed to testify described Mr. Brunson Brunson as apolitical, focused on his religion, and open to Christians of all ethnic origin, including Syrian refugees. And that's an important point because the Syrian refugees all around the world are considered sort of the hot potato. No one wants to take them. But Andrew welcomed them. Now, it's an answer to prayer that Andrew is free. But the real story is the story of his, of, of his faithfulness, of the faithfulness of his family to the privilege of sharing the gospel with those who are considered other, maybe even dangerous other. Andrew sensed the blessing 
He knew the blessing it was to be included in the gospel and the privilege it was to share the blessing. And so he went to Turkey. He went to Turkey and he suffered. But he suffered not in vain, but as a testimony, now a worldwide testimony. Very few people around the world don't know the name Andrew Brunson. So as a testimony that God wants to include the Turkish people. And beyond that, God wants to include the Syrian people and the Iranian people and the people from Mexico and Ecuador. He wants to include people who look differently than we do, who speak differently than we do, who vote differently than we do. If you can think of a group that is other, God wants to include them. And you are his ambassador. You have the privilege of speaking on behalf of God to those outside and speaking not a word of judgment, but a word of inclusion and love and compassion. So what should you do in response? Well, include someone. Include someone who's different than you, even if, it, if it's uncomfortable. Invite the mom wearing the hijab that you see at the playground over for a play date. Go to lunch with the millennial wearing the Cavanope t-shirt. And if you're on the other side of the political spectrum, you see someone wearing a MAGA hat, a Make America Great Again, invite them to lunch. Engage. Share the love of Christ. Because it is a privilege to love them in Jesus' name. Now you might think, Daryl, that's great for you, but I I don't have your experiences. I don't have your training. Um, I don't have the know-how to do it. Well, those kinds of things can help, but they're not the essential thing or the essential things. What is absolutely necessary if you're going to share the love of Christ with somebody else? What do you need? Any thoughts? You need love. You need to love people. And in my house, we talk about this. What what does it take to, to love your brothers and sisters? Kindness and respect. Show kindness. Show respect. Let me conclude with a story of how simple acts of kindness and respect opens doors, even doors that seem welded shut. There's a woman named Rosaria Champagne, and she was about as far away from Christ as anybody you can imagine. Listen to her description of herself. I considered myself an atheist, having rejected my Catholic childhood in what I perceived to be the superstitious and illogic of the historic Christian faith, I found Christians to be difficult, sour, fearful, and intellectually unengaged people. In addition, since the age of 28, I had lived in monogamous lesbian relationships and politically supported LGBT causes. She was also a professor at Syracuse University in women's studies. Add to this that I was working on a book exposing the religious right from a lesbian feminist point of view. I approached the Bible with an agenda to tear it down because I firmly believed that it was threatening, dangerous, and irrational. Ooh, this is a tough person to talk to about Jesus, isn't it? After uh, writing a letter to the editor in her local paper about how terrible the evangelical Christian right was, uh, she, she she received lots of letters hate mail, fan mail. But she got this one letter from a local pastor named Ken Smith. He was at the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. And uh, she read the letter, and this is what she recalled about it. It was a kind and inquiring letter. 
He asked me to clarify my beliefs. How did you arrive at your interpretations? How do you know you are right? Do you believe in God? Ken didn't argue with my article. Rather, he asked me to defend the presuppositions that undergirded it. And then he invited her to his house for dinner. Would you have dinner with us? And she resisted the invitation for a long time. But she was so curious about this kindly letter that she went. And it was the first of many meetings. Meetings that resulted in a deep, deep friendship. And this woman, who hated Jesus, came to love him. Now, her life was changed in many, many ways. But really, the most important aspect of this is not that she changed from one lifestyle to another, but that she went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. How did that happen? Because a pastor wrote a letter respectfully asking questions with a kind invitation to dinner because he believed God wanted to include someone that we would consider other. So the challenge for us all this week is what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with this blessing that God has given us? What are we going to do with the privilege he has given us? This week, would you look, have eyes to see those who are on the outside and let them know they are included? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your challenge to us. Oh, sometimes in our, in our natural selves, we're so stuck on pursuing our own interests and we hear a word from you and it catches, up, catches us up short and, and, and it's unpleasant in the moment, but we thank you for it because we know it's going to lead to a blessing. Father, by your spirit, change us. Make us more like Christ. People who are loving and, and, and inclusive, wanting to see those who are on the outside know the love of Jesus, that they too might become part of the family. Help us to be ambassadors, Lord. For our good and your glory, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.